Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Digital Revolution Podcast. I'm your host, Eli Adams. Today's episode is brought to you by FireUsMarketing.com, where SEO solutions pave the way to digital excellence. We have a special guest today. We have McCain Kennedy. McCain Kennedy is the founder and CEO of Setfire Creative. Born and raised in Southern California, McCain discovered his love for marketing while still in high school. Years later, after graduating from college with a bachelor's in marketing in 2015 from Brigham Young University, he and his wife made the move to Utah and have been there ever since. After working at a couple of different digital marketing agencies, McCain would go on to create Setfire Creative, a digital marketing agency with a passion for helping small to mid-sized businesses grow their digital marketing. He was named 2023 Sales and Marketer of the Year by Utah Business Magazine. When he isn't busy helping his clients grow their businesses through digital marketing, McCain can be found with his nose in a book, eating spicy buffalo wings, practicing combat sports, or hanging out with his wife and two sons. Welcome to the show, McCain. Appreciate your time and, and having you here. Yeah, thanks so much, Eli. It's great to be on the podcast, and thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So as you know, we talked before, we have sort of a layout in the podcast, but before we get to to what we really want to get into with the podcast, I got to know a couple of things. Ken, what's here? Tell me about practicing combat sports. Okay, great question. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I just, you know, when I was in high school, I wrestled a little bit, and I loved it, and I always loved it, and I always have this dream that one day um, I would get into like boxing and more of like the MMA stuff. And I tried pitching my parents on it when I was a teenager and they said, no way, we're not allowing that. And um, so I always told myself, well, when I'm older, when I'm older, I'll do it. And then about five years ago, um, I drove by a a boxing gym out here in Utah, Lopri, and uh, went in and just said, hey, how do I get started? Started doing it. So that was about five years ago. And then about Three years ago, three or four years ago, started went to a different gym and started doing um, like Muay Thai, kind of kickboxing mm-hmm. and some jiu-jitsu stuff. And I've just loved it. And actually, last year, I got to participate in my very first boxing match ever. Um, it no was way. at FitCon in Salt Lake City, and it was actually the executive fight night. So it was me, and I think there was a total of 20 executives, business owners, uh, members of the C-suite. Um, we all got paired up. We had nine weeks of training and everything like that. Fight camp, as they call it. And then in front of, I think, about two to 3,000 people at the end of FitCon, we got to uh, duke it out. And it was a, a legit no amateur boxing match. So it was kind of this like dream come true as a kid who grew up watching Rocky. Uh, finally got to go and up in the ring myself and do it. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's a passion of mine. It's something I really love doing. That's crazy. So it was, it was kind of like uh, the Elon Musk and 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 Zuckerberg like yeah. fight that everyone talks about. Was all were they all like Utah executives and business owners? Yeah, yeah. So there's a local gym out here called Legends Boxing, and they have a lot of locations throughout yeah. Utah, and I think they're actually there in some other states as well. But once a, uh, once a year, they do this executive fight night, and it's such a smart idea. But yeah, they just let. Any executives, wow. you get executives that have either fought in the past or executives that maybe have very little experience, but want to learn and want to get in the ring. And so they try to match people up perfectly. So there's a whole interview process and everything. Um, but it was it was cool. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of the, the Elon Musk Zuckerberg thing, right? <laughs> Dude, that's one way to uh, sort of get the stress out after work, right? honestly that was the biggest thing um when i first walked into the boxing gym they had a sign on the door that said cheaper than therapy that was kind of like their their slogan 
And I was like, okay. Yeah. And so every day after work, that's what I would do is go and hit a heart or a heavy bag. Mm. And there is no better stress reliever than just going and getting, getting your sweat on and just hitting a heavy that's bag awesome. working out. Well, I'm not too far away from legends, so I might have to do that. That sounds, that sounds like a lot of fun. I remember growing up, I did, I, I wrestled in like third and fourth grade mm-hmm. and I wanted to do it in, in fifth grade again. I loved it so much and I wanted to do it again. And I asked my mom, Hey, can I do this? And she said, no. Really? And I just, I like, I just, I kind of just like left it at that thinking that her and my dad had talked and like later on in high school, like everybody was like, they had far surpassed what, what I was at that point. So if I were to jump into it in high school, I would have got destroyed. And, but I asked my dad, I was like, Hey, how come you guys never let me do this back then? And he goes, what are you talking about? I said, I asked mom and she said, no, it's too violent. Uh-huh. And, and he goes, why didn't you ask me? He's like, I would have let you do it. But like, I felt bad. Cause I was, I wasn't skilled enough to jump into it later on, but if I would have stuck with it from like third grade, I think it, it could have been something good for me, but. I have a two-year-old. He he turns three in a couple of months. And no kidding, last night I was actually looking up how how early can you get kids into wrestling because I want to wrestling. It's just a great sport and it's a lot of fun. And so, um, yeah, that's cool. Dude, that's awesome. Um, Okay, that's a great segue into the first portion of 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 the podcast where we talk about who you are. So so who who is McCain? Where'd you grow up? What'd you want to be when you grew up? Like, tell me about your childhood experience, and then sort of how that, maybe some of those experiences that made you who you are today um, it, as a person, your your values, as well as how you run your business. Yeah, yeah. Well, good questions. Um, so I was, I was born and raised in Southern California, as you mentioned earlier. So a place that not a lot of people have heard of, it's called Marietta. Um, kind of a little commuter town. It's about an hour from San Diego, an hour from LA, and an hour from Orange County. And okay. so, my dad, um, you know, growing up, he he worked in Orange County, um, still does to this day. And so, uh, we moved there when I was when I was really little um, to Marietta specifically, and I I grew up there and I loved it. And you know, if I could go back, I'd go back. Right. Um, kind of the joke with California is once you've moved out, especially to a place like Utah, it's really hard to go back to California after yeah. that. But um, we go back to visit all the time and we love it. Kids love it and everything. And um, yeah, as far as like upbringing and everything like that, you know, it's kind of interesting because if I really think about my upbringing and and where it's brought me to, um, where it's brought me or how it's even brought me to where I am today. So it's really interesting because like I don't come from business background. Like my parents didn't work in business. You know, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. My dad actually worked for Orange County uh, Sheriff's Department all grown up. So he's a cop. Nice. Um, and he still is to this day. Now he works for the Irvine Community College. He's the chief of police there. And um, so, you know, none of my brothers or anything, we never knew what it was like to have parents who worked a nine to five job that worked an office job. We never knew what it was like to work in a cubicle or to be stuck at your desk all day or anything like that. That's not what we were used to. And um, so to answer your question, when it comes to like why I wanted to be growing up, Obviously, a few different things, right? When I was really young, I would have loved to be a professional skateboarder or a surfer. That was like the dream. And then I got a little bit more mm-hmm. older and I wanted to be a rock star when I got older. And then as I got a little bit older into my teens, later into my teens, actually, I, I kind of wanted to be a cop. Like uh, that's something that always stayed in the back of my mind. Um, and even as I was studying marketing and considering going into marketing um, as a career, 
it wasn't until I met my wife and we started dating and I mentioned to her, I was like, yeah, you know, after I graduate, I actually might want to go and be a cop. And she said, uh-uh, nope. No. <laughs> uh, it's a stressful job to have your spouse in, right? And so understandably, yeah. she, she felt like, yeah, maybe not. Um, But yeah, so it's, it's interesting there because even that being said, you know, I know a lot of people and I know a lot of other business owners that in talking, they'll mention like, oh yeah, my dad's a business owner. He's the one who taught me everything I know. He's the one who helped me get started. He helped me with this and that. And I go to him. He's a mentor. My parents just did a really good job at teaching me and my siblings to work hard. And they kind of did that thing of like, hey, if you really want something, you just need to work for it. We kind of joke around mm-hmm. that like we were never given anything as kids. Everything we wanted, we had to work for. Um, they always kind of taught us these life lessons, whether it be about work or like finances, like how to how to manage your money and budget and all this stuff. They they would do that a lot as we were kids with our allowances and um, you know, going out and making purchases and stuff. They always they always tried to teach us these mm-hmm. lessons and those lessons I've still carried on to this day. So it's funny because don't come from that background of, you know, having like parents that are business owners or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Just really hard workers and like very patient yeah. people. Um, and it's something that's really helped me in my career today. And I've learned a lot from them and I'm like super thankful for it. So it's really helped me kind of get, get me to where I am today. Nice. So tell me, so walk, walk me through sort of, okay, so you're in California, you come yeah. to Utah, you go to BYU, you graduate. Is it, is it at that point that you stay in Utah? So my, we actually came out here originally for my wife's school. Um, so my wife went to an esthetician okay. school out here and, um, I had already graduated. I, I, I went to, um, where I went and got my first job out of college and, um, the, the plan was actually just as soon as she was done with school, let's head back to California, let's go back to California because she's from California as well. And then mm-hmm. funny enough, I mean, just, you know, she finished school within a year. We just grew to love Utah. And I was already into my career and I was like, well, let's just maybe stay here a little bit longer. Uh, and here we are eight years later and we've got two boys and we've got, a, no you know, we're here, we've got a house. We've kind of, you know, um, built, yeah. a, built a foundation here and now it's hard to move anywhere else. So we're kind of here in Utah for the foreseeable future. That's for sure. Such, it's such a good place to live, especially in the industry that you're in, the, the technology industry all the digital, like with the growth in, in Lehigh or Silicon Slopes, whatever we want to call it. Like wow. it's a really good place to be right now, right? It's a really unique place. And it's funny because I've traveled around to different, um, you know, going to different conferences or trade shows or whatever it might be, you know, that we go to um, other states and, and people have heard, you know, people have heard of Silicon Slopes. People have heard of the tech yep. boom out here. People have heard like... Like Utah and like the Lehigh, kind of this whole area is like on the map. And so it's yeah. really cool to be a part of because even before we moved out to Utah, I had heard about this, you know, kind of mm-hmm. the tech industry was growing out here and things like that. But to be able to see it grow the way it has over the last eight years has been has been great. Yeah. And one thing that I think sets Utah apart from a lot of other places is there is such an abundance mindset also. Oh where everyone just wants mm-hmm. to help each other. And I think you and I were actually just talking about this the other day, where it's just yeah. this thing of um, you have all these, for instance, like digital marketing agencies, right? Like I own a digital marketing agency. Yep. That doesn't mean that I look at yep. every other digital marketing agency out there and think that's my competitor. I cannot talk to them. You know, we're not friends. 
No, it's like every time I meet someone from another digital marketing agency, I want to learn more. What do you guys do? We, you know, and it's you just you want to all grow together, yeah. and it's there's enough to go around, right? And so I really love that about Utah and Utah County, and and um, specifically where we're at. And uh, yeah, it's really it's really something that's pretty unique. Yeah, you and I talked about that, and then I I've t- probably talked to two or three different people about that since you and I talked, and. And I was like, hey, how can I help you out? And they're like, oh, man, I was going to ask you the same thing. Like, we're all digital marketing agencies. And we're like, I'm I'm not afraid that if I talk to you and tell you what I'm working on, that I'm not I'm going to have any less work. Right. right. Like, I, so so that that's great. Um, uh, OK, so so OK, so let's go back to to you graduate BYU. You have your career. Your wife um, finishes her esthetician school. So now you're in Utah. Walk me through your work history. And at what point were you, did you, one, feel confident enough to start your own business? Literally. And two, was it was it confidence? Was it maybe at some point you had a dream? Or was it like, I'm fed up with working for someone else? Like, what was that point in the road that made you say, I'm going this way instead of this way? Yeah. I mean, so it's it's pretty interesting. It's funny because... Something clicked when I was going to school that just told me. Well, and it's funny because I was actually just I just mentioned it today on LinkedIn, which is such a weird thing. I don't want to like quote myself or something like that. Right. But I, I actually just brought this up today that do it. I had an advertising 101 teacher say to the entire class, he said, what's going to set you apart from other people after you graduate is um, how well you continue continue your learning after you graduate uh, so his recommendation was you know subscribe to blogs read books um, take online courses have passion projects and side projects that you're doing on the side that have to do with your um, career but aren't for work right and um, I took that to heart and right then and there I was like okay I need to start reading more even on top of like all my schoolwork I need to start reading outside I need to have like side projects and passion projects and so I just started um, contacting some like local little startups, you know, apparel brands, different things like that, that were in the area mm-hmm. and asked them if they wouldn't mind if I just helped out with their digital marketing for free. And it's mm-hmm. such a, such a weird concept for people to hear. And like, sometimes I get contacted by kids in school. I shouldn't say kids in school, right? Students in school that, that contact yeah. me and say, Hey, yeah. what advice do you have for me? You know, I'm two years into college and I want to know, you know, how can I um, just really, um, grow in the industry and I'll tell them, go do stuff for free. And they hate that advice. Yeah. Like nine times out of 10, they hate that advice. <laughs> to me, that was like the best thing. It was the best resume builder. I just yeah. took a ton of stuff because I was doing it for free. I never got like a hard time if something, something didn't go as well as it could have. So I got to kind of do trial and error a lot with these brands that let me just help out. And, um, it was really cool. It was the best, it was the best learning because it came from experience and actually real world experience. And what ended up happening is after um, graduating and starting my first job at at an ad agency down in Provo, Utah, um, I started getting friends from college reaching out and saying, hey, I now work for this company. They're looking for marketing and they don't want to hire an agency. They don't want to hire a house. They kind of want like just like a contractor. Would you be interested in? And so within a year of being out of school, I think I had just like a few clients on the side. And yeah, 
shortly after that, people, you know, someone recommended, they said, hey, if you're going to have clients, you should make this into an LLC and, you know, kind of walk me through the process. So I had never. Mm-hmm. So it's funny because with your question, I know there's people who are sitting there like, I need to go start my own thing. I need to do my own thing. I don't want to work for anyone else. I want to be my own boss. Like, you know, or people who have dreamed of being entrepreneurs or business owners their whole life. I hate to admit it. That wasn't, that wasn't necessarily me. It just mm-hmm. kind of like came yeah. organically. Um, to the point where, where we are today, but, um, took on more and more clients. Uh, you know, there was a bit of this word of mouth thing that happened. I had, um, a couple of people that I had met that, um, became business partners of mine and helped grow. And it's funny because while this was all going on, I was working on other agencies and I was very transparent with my bosses and with the business owners always, mm-hmm. um, cause I worked at two different agencies while Stepfire Creative was kind of growing in the background. And I would tell him, hey, I'm doing this. Do you mind if I do it? But I, for instance, would be running Facebook ads while the company I worked at specifically only did SEO, right? So it, there wasn't any yeah. conflict and they were always cool with it. And then that was about 2015, 2016 that, you know, I started taking on clients on the side. And then 2019 was when uh, me and one of our business partners or one of my business partners said, we got to go full time on this. We had actually started hiring a couple of employees. And it just felt weird to have employees without being full-time on it. And so we kind of yeah. uh, took the leap and, uh, you know, went full-time on it. And so now we're 2024. So we've been, we've been going at it for the last few years. So it's been been awesome. Yeah. Over four years, almost five now, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. Wow. So <clears throat> I remember listening to a podcast with uh, Jordan Peterson and he talked about how Um, there's a a strategic piece of your brain where you can almost like see around the corner, right? So you kind of predict what's around the corner. I feel like a lot of business owners, especially in the digital world, have that, uh, that skill where you can see like, if I do this, then this is going to happen. Right. And it's, it's for running a business as well as for your clients, where you can look at your client's website, you can look at their strategy and you're able to like look around the corner for them, um, and, Uh and really see what, what they need. He, he mentions that, uh, the way that you exercise that part of your brain is um, fictional writing, like like oh. because it makes your brain think about what the outcome is going to be. So I know in your history you have some writing. Maybe it's not fictional, but do you have yeah. any experiences either when you had the job when you were writing or maybe when you were a kid that you did some activities that train that part of your brain to like see around the corner so that you could be the good business owner that you are today? Wow. I I have never heard that before. I've never made that connection before. But um, funny, if you talk to me and my siblings, we're all kind of nerds and we're all kind of bookworms. When yeah. it really comes down to it, when we were kids, we would write comics and we'd write short stories and stuff like that. And now that we've gotten mm-hmm. older, a lot of us are still kind of doing that. So um, I have... I dabble a little bit in writing some fiction. No one's read it before. I'm not sure if anyone's going to read it, but... Uh, that's a really cool connection because, yeah, I mean, um, it's it's funny because I had I had read something that said the average millionaire reads at least one nonfiction book a month. And I was like, oh, hmm. I should start reading more nonfiction. And this is forever ago. This is like shortly after graduating college. Yeah. So I started like making a list of here's all the nonfiction books I need to read, right? All the popular business books and financial books and marketing books and whatnot. And then later on, I read another quote that was like, Fiction helps you with your creativity. And here's every reason why like a business owner or a person in, in their career needs to read more fiction. And then I was like, 
hey, I need to read more fiction. So now I always have this thing where um, even right now I have it going where I listen or read to one fiction and nonfiction at the same time. So I have at least two books that I'm always mm-hmm. reading, one being fiction, one being nonfiction, because I just feel like, okay, well, I just want to have that good balance. So that's a that's a cool connection that I hadn't I hadn't heard before. So so you have fiction content out there right now? Not that I posted, but things that I've read. Yeah. Okay. Or sorry, things that I've written. Yeah, for sure. Man, you need to get that out there. This is uh, this is a, a my children's book that I have back here. It's me and my wife wrote a, a book called Lucy Tames Her Tiger, and it's for mental health for kids. And it's oh, about cool. my daughter, but it's it's a, a fictional book. So I love getting with other authors and stuff like that. You should post your stuff, man. You and I should talk about that because I've always been interested in the, the children's book route. That seemed like a lot yeah. of fun. Okay, so along those same lines with the, the the fictional writing, so tell me if you find yourself in this situation with with your wife. I I do this all the time, and I love doing it, and it drives her crazy. So, so speaking of like seeing around the corner, every single movie that we watch, I predict wow. the ending. I'm always uh-huh. like looking for it, and I'm like, and this is why. So we'll be in the theater, and I'll lean over, and I'll be like, here's here's what's gonna happen, and she's like, and like it drives her crazy when I'm right. She's right in every other aspect of of life and marriage and kids. She's right, but with movies, I can always predict them. Do you try? To like predict the end of the movie or the books that you're reading? Or is that just me? No, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, especially movies. I, if you ask my wife, so I don't I do not do that to her. I feel like I've done that in the past of like, oh, I bet this is what's going to happen. I don't do that anymore, yeah. though. But it has, this might be going a little, a little off the path we're on. But I always say that um, the TV show Breaking Bad room television for me mm-hmm. because I thought it was so good at watching any other show. I just feel like it's too predictable. You know, I just know what's going to happen. Yeah. You can just tell what's going to happen or it just seems overdone or whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of movies my wife wants to watch, especially during the holiday season when Hallmark gets turned on and we're watching those Hallmark movies. It's a pretty, so pretty cutter template for, you know, for their movies. So it's pretty easy to understand. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Okay. So tell me what you're currently working on. What excites you? What gets you up in the morning? Do you have any like special projects you're working on for, you know, if you can speak about specific clients, fine. If you can't, that's, that's fine as well. But like overall, what's got you excited right now? Yeah. I mean, right now the new year's got me really excited. Um, you know, I'm sure it's the same way for a lot of people, but every time we get into a new year, I just feel like it's a fresh start. Let's, let's crush it this year. Um, so that's what's got me most pumped right now. My team's pumped. Um, we're just excited to help a lot of new clients. We've got a few clients that we're working on some pretty cool stuff for. One in particular, they're pre-launch. They're launching here in the next few weeks. Um, it is, I can't, I can't unfortunately, I don't want to tease, but I can't unfortunately talk about what it is until they've actually launched. Um, but it is mm-hmm. such a cool product that I can't wait to see how everything goes once it's launched and once the word starts getting out there. So there's definitely some cool things in the works. Uh, but yeah, just an exciting time. Just overall, a lot of things happening. And so, yeah, just, there's always a lot to do. So there's always, every time I wake up in the morning, I'm excited yeah. to go to work and things going. Where do you feel like your agency focuses the most on? Is is it like, is it sort of spread across pretty evenly? Is it mostly SEO, mostly creative, mostly 
one or the other, or like, do you have specific verticals that you work on? What, what is your agency really like special for? Yeah. Yeah. So we have four services that we focus on, um, SEO, uh, paid social media ads, uh, Google advertising, and then organic social media. Um, honestly, SEO, Google ads, and social ads, those are our top three. Organic social, it's almost over time has become more of an add-on. A lot of companies feel comfortable doing it in-house and really they come to us when they just feel like they don't have the time or the bandwidth, or maybe they just really don't feel like they know what they're doing, will come to us. Whereas SEO, Google ads, and social ads are just so much more technical that they definitely want to make sure they come to the experts to help out with that stuff. As far as specific industries that we work with, or, you know, we get asked about niches all the time. We don't have a niche industry that we work with. We work with a lot of e-commerce. We work with a lot of B2B companies. We work with a lot of uh, businesses just looking for lead generation stuff. So kind of all across the board, but we mainly focus on those small to mid-sized businesses. That is, that is our bread and butter. We love helping the smaller companies, the younger companies, uh, everything from pre-launch, trying to generate some buzz to companies that have been around for a while, but Maybe they just haven't taken digital marketing serious up to this point, or maybe they've tried to do it in-house and they haven't had a lot of experience or get experiences with it. Um, those are the companies that we're working with. So we're not going after the Cokes and Pepsis of the world, right? We're, mm-hmm. we're really focused on helping small and mid-sized businesses grow. Which I think is where the need is the most, right? The, the, you know, the bigger companies, they do have budget to get some agencies and go to maybe VaynerMedia, stuff like that, which is, which is right. great for them. But, um, the, the main focus of, of the digital revolution podcast is to help those mid to small size businesses who maybe don't have a budget to hire somebody in house or, you know, yep. dabble in agency work and stuff like that. So, um, so, you know, talking through, let, let's imagine that they are listening to us. Maybe there's a dentist or a doctor yep. or lawyer or chiropractor out there listening. What are some tactical takeaways that you could, or advice that you would give them? When, when saying, hey, if I were in your shoes, here's what I would do. Or if I were to start over and build a business like that, here's what I would do. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I would say do what's best for your company, not what's been best for, for maybe some of your network, right? We get a lot of small businesses that come to us and they say, I was talking to someone over here who has a company. Facebook ads worked really good for them. I want to do Facebook ads, right? And we'll look yeah. at their business and we'll say, actually, we think Google ads are going to be better. Or maybe you need to focus on email marketing. Or maybe you should go do this. Especially even if there's things outside of our wheelhouse that we don't do internally here in Setfire Creatives. If we know there's a better partner out there for them to go talk to, we're going to send them that way, right? Because we just want to make sure that yeah. they're well taken care of. But yeah, there's always that thing of like, I've heard this working for so-and-so. Let's do that. I want to do that. And really what you kind of have to do is, is take the time to really do your due diligence and do some research into your target demographic and your industry. What are your competitors doing? Um, is there some sort of marketing strategy that's maybe oversaturated and doesn't make sense for you to go in there? Is there a way to be a little more strategic, especially those brands that are on the smaller end and they don't have much of a marketing budget? You really have to be scrappy. Um, especially if you have big competitors out there, you're going to have to be pretty scrappy. So you really need to be strategic but the advantage is if you're more strategic um, because you're so small and because you're scrappy, there's a lot of time that there's these big companies out there that quite frankly, and we see it all the time, that uh, they're just kind of throwing money at stuff. 
with not a whole lot of strategy behind it. They just think the money's going to win every time. And um, we've seen a lot of a lot of um, small businesses take a good chunk of market share just because um, they were they were more strategic um, with everything they were doing. And every dollar they were spending meant way more to them than some of these big companies, right? That have these huge marketing yeah. budgets. So. Yeah, but tell tell the, the small businesses, hey, you got to focus on what's going to work best for your business, um, regardless of what you've seen work for others, and um, be scrappy and use that to your advantage, and just be extremely strategic and be smart with every dollar that you're spending. Let, let's say that they're they're listening to this and they're like, okay, what what does that mean? Let's take it one step further. Like, how do I yeah. be strategic? How do I look at my client? Like, how do I know who my customers are? Are there any tools that you'd recommend or? steps that that they could take to at least initially go out and say okay here here is what i think are my competitors online here's what i think they're doing and then if they need to take it to the next step and like go to an agency and have them analyze they can do it but like what's the first step they can take to at least know if they can do it or if they need to hand it off to an agency yeah that's a really good question um yeah because uh, when it comes to like research there's obviously some tools out there that you can use to research what your competitors are doing one that's free if you're interested in running facebook ads for instance is facebook's ad library where you can actually just go look up your competitors and just see what ads they're running if they're running ads um so before you before you go to the next tool kind of talk through that because i know there's there's steps so to to get to that so you go to the, the your competitor's facebook page and then you click on a tab, like walk through how they actually get to that. Yeah. So I would even say, so that is one option. You can go to the Facebook page of um, a competitor and there will be an option um, to see their ads because it's under, you know, Facebook's all about transparency, right? So you can go and see what ads they're running. But I actually even just recommend if you go facebook.com slash ads slash library, it'll take you to Meta's ad library. And from there, you're able to look up, um, you're able to look up just any of your competitors' Facebook pages and you will see any ads that they're running. So you get to read through the ad copy, you get to see the images and the creative and everything. Now, the downside is you don't get to see the budget. You don't get to see who they're targeting. You get to see any of like, that confidential information. But you mm-hmm. can typically have a pretty good idea of, of what they're doing. So, for instance, someone comes to us and they say, hey, I think Facebook ads will be really good for my business. My team will do their due diligence. We'll, we'll do some research into it. And they say, yeah, we think uh, Facebook ads is going to be really good. Let's see what your competitors are doing. There are times where we go on Facebook ads library. We look at a lot of like the competitors. Maybe, you know, only a few of their competitors are actually running ads on Facebook. Now that gives you two things. It makes you think either, oh, is this a golden opportunity because there's not a lot of other competitors mm-hmm. advertising um, on this platform? Or does it make you stop and think, why aren't they all advertising on here? Have they tried it before? Do they not have like So then you have to kind of just do a little bit more research and figure out, okay, is this the best route? Um, but it's a really cool tool. Um, we use it all the time for all of our clients. It's nice for like aviation and stuff too, um, just to see what other people are doing and what's working for them. You know, you might go to one competitor and they have all video ads. You go to someone else to run um, dynamic shopping campaigns or um, dynamic catalog ads, or you go to someone else and they're all carousels and stuff like that. And so you kind of get to like look and see what they're doing. It helps with the ideation process when you actually go to sit down and create ads yourself. 
I love that. Thanks for being very specific. I know a lot of people out there, a lot of the clients that I work with have been on like regular Facebook, but never done the business side. And so I remember the first time I was introduced to that, to that tool, I was like, this is game changing to go and see what other people are doing to get ideas, to see what my competitors are doing. So, so thanks for being detailed on that. So, okay. So set that aside. What was, what's the next tool or, or thought that you were going to bring up before I interrupted you? No, yeah, you're totally good. Um, so my team uses, for instance, like, um, I mean, there's a lot of things that we use it for, but SEMrush or SEMrush is another tool that we use um, to get to get a good feel for what some competitors are doing on the SEO side of things, as well as it gives a little bit of Google Ads information as well. Um, shows how many keywords mm-hmm. they're going after and how much traffic they're getting from um, the paid search side of things. Once again, you're not going to see budget. You're not going to see specifics, things like that. But what you can always do too is if you're a plumber in Lehigh, Utah, you can always go on Google and just type in Lehigh or sorry, plumbers near me or plumbers in Lehigh, Utah, and you're going to mm-hmm. see any ads that pop up. And it'll tell you, you know, which competitors or some of the competitors that are advertising. You also get to see what their ads look like and where you think you can improve on. Um, so those are kind of the things that we use for competitor analysis. When it comes to the, the audience side of things, I would say most people who come to us, um, quite frankly, have a good idea of who their, their audience is. And it depends. It, it also depends. Is this a business that is selling product, selling their service regularly, but they just need to increase uh, their sales? Mm-hmm. Uh, or is this someone who's coming from nothing, they're starting from scratch, and they say, I don't know who my audience is, which that happens. Um, and in that case, yeah, you have to kind of dig in and do some research and say, okay, well, who would be most interested in this product? But when you use a tool, for instance, like Facebook, what we found is in those situations, sometimes leaving the targeting a little more open rather than getting as granular as you can get. You know, on Facebook, you used to get so granular, you could say, hey, I want people who are interested in X, Y, and Z, live in this location between this age range, they're male. Um, you could also say you even get into things like um, income and things like that, right? Things have totally changed with Facebook odds over the last five years, mainly, but even over the last 10 years. Um and what we found now is like in those cases, when people say, hey, let's, uh, we don't know who our target demographic is. There's a lot of cases where we like to just leave the targeting a little more open and let Facebook show us and teach us, okay, who's clicking on my ads, who's making the purchases and things like that. And then um, glean that, that data from Facebook. And so there's a, it's a case by case situation on how you're going to go about it and do that um, audience research, but there's, there's always a way, right? It's just a matter of figuring out what this particular client's going to need or this business is going to need. Yeah. So when you, so when you start Facebook ads, you open it sort of wide open and you get all that data. Do you eventually slim it down once you have data or do you leave it up to the, the, the Facebook platform to sort of make the best decision for you? What, where have you found the most success? Yeah. Yeah. So generally, you know, because the way Facebook works is that it will self-optimize those campaigns. And so if it notices that within the, the demographics that you've set, if it notices that a specific group of people are the, the ones that the ads resonate with the most, and therefore you're clicking on or making purchases, Facebook itself is going to start showing the ads to those type of people more and more. And even like we like to run a lot of A-B tests. So we'll have, let's say we have a campaign with an audience underneath it, multiple ads running at the same time. Facebook also learns which ad is performing best, which ad is resonating with the audience more, and therefore it starts putting more budget behind that ad. And so we use that data in a couple of different things. One is if we leave it super open in the beginning, 
in our next iteration of the campaign, yeah, we can start dialing back and kind of trimming the fat in terms of targeting and who we're targeting. And then when it also comes to the ad level side of things, say we had four ads running um, at the start and one just really outperformed all of the others, we can turn all those other ads off, keep this, what we call the champion ad going, and now mm -hmm. give it some new competitors um, in order to try to, what I always say is, we are on a constant quest to find the perfect ad for every business. And so it's, yeah. a, it's a never ending quest. Um, it's, it's, yeah. it's, we're always running new iterations and we're also, and it's always a matter too of, and this might be getting a little too granular, but it's also a matter of knowing why you're running those tests and the purpose behind them. So when we run ads, what we like to typically do is, is say, okay, we feel really confident in, this video, we're going to run this video for a client. And specifically, we're talking about working with small to mid-sized businesses. So we're talking about kind of smaller ad spend budgets, right? And we don't want to spread things too thin. So we might say, let's run four ads with this video because we think this video is going to do really well. But let's test out different ad copies. So each of the four ads is going to have a different ad copy to it. Um, maybe we're testing out ad lengths. So maybe we're doing a long form piece of copy versus a short form. Maybe we're testing out different hooks at the beginning of each um, ad copy. And then once we've let it uh, run for enough time, we'll take the champion ad and we'll say, okay, this is the ad copy that performed best. Now let's test this video that we had running on the four ads. Let's test it against a carousel, against a single image ad. Let's create some graphics, let's do that. And then we start testing that. So now we're testing the creatives um, part of the ad. And then once we've got that nailed down, it's like, okay, maybe we'll focus on the headline or maybe we'll go back to the hook or maybe we'll go to this or that, you know? Yeah. And so just testing so much. Wow, so if yeah. you don't know what's really going to work best, like who your audience is and what's going to work best with them. Yeah. That's why I know we're talking about Facebook specifically, but I just feel like Facebook has always been a great um, platform to help you learn more about your audience and what's going to um, really connect with them. If I were to summarize everything you just said, so, so I'm a business owner and I want to start doing some ads. I'm not really, I don't really have money to pay for an agency yet. So I'm going to try to do it on my own. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to set up a campaign. I'm going to leave it pretty wide open. I'm not going to be very, very specific quite yet. Mm -hmm. I'm going to allow Facebook to sort of do its thing and narrow down which one works the best. And then over time, I'm going to find my champion ad, one that, that works the best out of all of them. And from yeah. that, I'm going to take that, shut the rest down. And I'm, I'm going to build some more with that, whether it's just changing the ad copy or, you know, whatever you said there. And then from there, you kind of finalize, you, you keep doing the same thing over and over and over until you find that perfect ad. So, yeah. so the message to the, to the business owners out there is, is there is a learning curve and there is time right. to get to a successful ad. It's oh, not yeah. like, even if you pay an agency, it's not like overnight, you're going to get the first, the first um, you know, first ad is going to be the best. So how long does it usually take for you to get ads from like the beginning until you're like, okay, we have a champion ad that we're going to work off. Is that weeks? Is it months? Like how long does that usually take? It's so different for everyone because it depends on so many different factors. It depends on the ad spend. Obviously the more ad spend equates to the more people are going to see your ads on a daily basis, which means you're going to get through that learning phase a lot quicker, right? Um, and then also, you have the industry yeah. product, the price point, uh, your audience, and everything plays factor or gets factored in. But yeah, I mean, we've seen we've seen um, businesses within the first couple of weeks they're crushing it, and it's like awesome, great. Okay, we feel like pretty good about these apps. We've seen it also be a couple months, a few months before we feel like we've really hit our stride. 
So what we're always looking at is, is there an upwards trajectory? Like are things getting better week over week? Are we seeing more clicks, more add to cards, more uh, purchases and things like that? But it's, it's, um, it's interesting. And, and I'll kind of add this too, cause I've seen before working with one company that, um, they had an ad that did so well that they just let it run. I swear for a year. It just kept running. Hmm. It was the same thing. And you know, if it ain't woke, don't fix it, right? Like just let it yeah. keep going. And so that's kind of the hope is that you can get to that point where you have an ad that does so well and you just monitor it every day or monitor it every day and um, yeah. just keep it going and, and uh, you're good. But for the most part, you generally have to like refresh your ads pretty frequently. And you're, like I said, you're on that never ending quest yeah. of trying to find that perfect ad eventually, right? Wow. I feel like there's some awesome golden nuggets in there for anybody listening. I appreciate you going into that detail for us. Um, so, so, so the, the podcast called digital revolution podcast, I feel like maybe the last five years and moving forward five years is this real digital revolution where, you know, I, I think that we've lived through a lot in, in, in our day, you know, since we, since we've been born where sort of internet kind of was starting to exist in our early years. Then we got, you know, cell phones later on, and then, you know, all sorts of amazing technology up to this point, but really over the last five years, technology has completely transformed everything that we do from streaming networks and everybody owning their own stream. I remember Netflix came out and everyone's like, nobody else is ever going to do a streaming network. We're just going to do Netflix. And then, I mean, we have what well, we have Apple plus we have Hulu, we have max. We, I mean, how many different streaming networks, but we pay for them all or get them free through T-Mobile or whatever else. But we have for the majority of us, we have access to all of those. So where do you see your your specific uh, skill set, your industry, what you guys work on in the agency? Where do you see the next five years going for for that? Yeah, I mean, within the next five years, I don't know. It's so hard, right? No one has a crystal ball, but you, you, there's always this side of you that kind of hopes things don't change too much. Just change is always scary, right? Yeah. But someone, yeah. someone once told me, they said in marketing, the people who succeed are those that are able to evolve, right? Um, the people who get less behind are those that are like stuck in their ways and they're like, no, nothing's changing. I'm going to stick to it. It's interesting because you can think now, whenever I get in the car, if the radio's on, there's still radio commercials, right? I haven't had, yeah. Um, yeah. I haven't had uh, cable TV and I don't know how long, but I go to my parents' home in, in California and sure enough, they've got the TV on, they're watching cable and they still get the commercials, right? So it's an interesting yep. thing, man. So I think everything we're doing right now is still going to be here, you know, five, 10 years down the road. But yeah, things are changing. AI is obviously, I know it's, it almost feels overtalked at this point, but AI is just going to be, play such a big role in marketing moving forward. Um, hopefully more than anything as, as just a really good tool for people. But um, what is interesting with the AI thing is we've had clients reach out and send us a, a document saying, can you please sign this that says you will not use any AI in our marketing. And wow. I, I don't blame her. I'm kind of the same way. If I knew yeah. I was paying an agency to run my marketing and they went from a year ago doing everything manually to today, now they're just doing everything through AI, I'd probably be a little, yeah. a little hesitant, right? Or I might be a little upset. Um, for sure. Especially if there weren't like checks and balances put in place, for sure. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's an interesting thing too, because you hear people, um, we heard someone not too long ago say like, hey, or actually asked like, hey, was this, was this ad copy written with AI? Um, mm -hmm. And the response was no. 
and and they said, oh, okay. I just now think everything's written with AI. So I just always want to be super serious. It's making people a little like, it's making people uh, nervous. Yeah. Like they're just like, everything's AI now, right? But um, so yeah. I think AI could be used as a really good tool. Um, you know, so, but as you mentioned, you know, what's going to happen in like VR and AR is is probably what I'm most interested to see. Um mm-hmm. I even just read something the other day and that said, um, I can't remember what company it was, but someone with the, like the author of ready player one, they were ready to bring mm-hmm. that world to reality. Like they want to, they want to create this, this world. And obviously there's the metaverse and everything like that. And this just opens yeah. up a brand new can of worms. And so we're going to have to learn to adjust and evolve with it. And, um, yeah, yeah I, guess we'll see. I guess we'll find out. It'll be interesting to reflect back on this in five years and see where we've come. I think I think it'll be fun for us. I think it'll be scary for our kids. Yeah. Because our, our kids are gonna like over the next twenty five years, they're gonna see more change than we've seen in our whole lifetime. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. It's a scary thought. Yeah. So it's 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 fun for us to see some of that stuff where like I have I have a quest and uh I play every once in a while and I thought, you know, I thought it'd be fun to buy. They have those jackets that you can wear where if you're playing the game and you get shot, you feel it vibrate. And I was like, that'd be fun. But oh, that's yeah. really close to the ready, ready player one um, <laughs> yeah. the type of thing. I, th- I thought that would be fun. But like, but what I worry about is my kids, like the, the level of anxiety in our, in our kids these days, um, if they can't go out into public and talk and everything is yeah, I, electronic, I, I can see some positives to it and be able to yeah. work around the world and do, you know, see the world from your home and feel like you're there. But at the same time, some of those basic skills and feeling the energy of somebody in the room and stuff like that, I worry that that's going to kind of be lost. Yeah. And it's actually made me think that the more digitized the world becomes and business becomes, the more important the human connection, customer service becomes. And this is across the board, not just for marketing. But um, it's, I mean, this is a, a, an example. Maybe I'm a little bitter about. That's why it comes to mind. Is that there's like a company that I've never heard of before got a Facebook ad. I don't really. It's funny because I actually don't buy things off of like Facebook and Instagram ads very often. Um, yeah. And but this looked cool. I looked at it. I looked at the site. Spent like a little bit of time. And I said, sure, I'll buy this thing. And um, still, two months later, haven't gone it. Don't know where it is. Tried reaching yeah. out, and I'm like, oh, is this a scam? And it makes me realize like yeah. how much effort because of everything today and especially with the ai stuff where they can they can take your voice they can take your face they can do all these like crazy things how much more important it is to just build trust with your customer base and potential customers and how to give it that human touch and let people know that you're there you're real and it feels like more often now when we're talking to potential clients more than before they're going okay we read all your reviews we know you're a legit company or we you know we I had someone this morning tell me, and we've I've actually never had this before. I sent them some case studies and a proposal. They called one of those clients of ours and had a phone call with oh, them wow. to make sure we were legit, to make sure they were a real client. Um, thankfully, the client sang our praises, so it worked out for us. That's and awesome. Why we contacted, or they contacted them. But it was such a, you know, they just said, yeah, we just, nowadays, you just want to make I'm sure, sure people you're are real. legit. Yeah, and they want to make sure too that it's like, um, yeah, like if you say that you have a team, they want to make sure it's a real team. If you say like, yeah, everything's done in house, sure. they want to make sure it's done in house. They want to make sure that you're not really, you know, just contracting everything out or, um, whatever it might be. But yeah. So I think just 
building trust and building that human connection and and uh, doing quality work is just going to be so much more yeah. important moving forward. Um, yeah, we're doing business. Totally, totally agree, man. Um, we we have been, we've been talking for a little while. This has been it's been great. I think uh, time wise, we should we should probably wrap it up. I have a handful of questions for you uh, that I'm going to ask uh, ask to each each person at the end of each podcast. So. Um, so first, do you have any, any books, podcasts, leaders that inspire you that maybe you'd recommend to some of the listeners? Yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as like, uh, any books, anything by Seth Godin, I think is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. big fan of his, I think he's great. There's a lot of stuff on purple cow, all marketers are liars. Yep. Um, love his stuff. Um, one that I fell in love with a couple of years ago was building a story brand, which I think is nice. so important for every company to um, not just tell people, you know, um, and he has this whole analogy where he's like, if we're looking at an example of like Star Wars, for instance, right, or Lord of the Rings or whatever it might be. There's always the hero. And then there's the old wise wizard that like helps guide him. And they're like. He's like every company or when you're um, helping marketing a company, you are not that hero. You are the wise wizard. You are the one helping the hero. Your customer is the hero. You're helping them on their journey. And it's mm-hmm. such a, it seems like such a simple idea, but it's really so profound and one that a lot of companies just don't quite understand. It's very much like me, 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 me. We're awesome. We're awesome. We're awesome. This is how you should do yeah. business. Whereas you're supposed to be helping your customers solve a problem, right? Um, as far as like podcasts go, there's a great one called Business Wars that I really love. Um, every every season of Business Wars, they focus on two different companies. It will be like Netflix versus Blockbuster, Microsoft versus Sony. Um, oh, and I just think those are really well told and, and really interesting stories for anyone who owns a business or is looking to own a business. I think it's great to learn from companies in the past. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Very cool. Okay, last question. So if you were to go back to your younger self and give one piece of advice, um, what would that be? Ask more questions. One thing I realized that when I was younger, whether it was in school or at home or whatever, I never felt like I could ask questions. Um, And a lot of it was kind of like a pride thing. Like I didn't want people to think I was dumb for asking questions. Mm -hmm. I am more confident than ever and be, or I'm more confident than ever being the, the dumbest person in a room. Like I hope to be, and I yeah. will ask questions and I can tell some people may even get annoyed at how many questions I like to ask, but um, you learn so much more when you ask questions. So if I could go back to my younger self, I would tell them, ask more yeah. questions. That's profound. That's good. Especially building a business, understanding your client. Like I, I feel like talking back to that strategic mind, you ask all the questions, get it all in your brain and then you come up with a strategy. But if you don't really know the the problem you're trying to solve or the end result they're looking for or anything like that, but through asking those questions, a lot of times what you give them is just top level fluff. So yeah. that's amazing, man. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to jump on the podcast uh, with me. I hope that we get, we get some good listeners and um, I'll send it to you when it's out. You can share it with your network. Maybe we can have you on at another time at some point in the future. And uh, anyway, so thanks for taking the time today, McCain, and, and joining us. Of course. Yeah, likewise. Thanks so much, Eli. I really appreciate it, man. All right. We'll see you guys next week. 
Thanks so much for listening to the episode today. Listen, I know how valuable an hour of your time can be, and for you to take that busy time out of your day and spend it with us, it really means a lot. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider liking and subscribing on whatever platform you're on. And don't forget to leave a comment. Tell us what you thought about the interview. Ask us questions. Let us know what other digital topics you'd like to hear about in the future. We're here to add value to your life and elevate your digital presence online. If you'd like some help doing that, reach out to me at fireusmarketing.com. See you on the next one.